Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Gathering My Thoughts MTG podcast. My name is Spencer, and today I'm going to be talking about whatever is on my mind related to Magic, to magic the Gathering. So New Capenna spoiler, spoiler season uh, is just around the corner, but before we get there, I want to talk about something else. A couple weeks ago, Wizards of the Coast gave us our first look at the supplemental set coming out after Streets of New Capenna, which is Commander Legends 2 Battle for Baldur's Gate. We got a few spoilers, uh, which I want to go over briefly, as well as discuss my predictions and expectations for the set. But before we do, give me a minute to gather my thoughts. All right, so in uh, Wizard's first look stream at Battle for Baldur's Gate, uh, we got to see um, some of the new cards that Wizards is going to be printing that are D&D themed. Now, I, I want to say briefly before uh, before I say anything else, I personally am not a huge fan of uh, the, the D&D sets. I don't mean that to be negative or critical in any way. Uh, these just like don't excite me as much as like uh, Kamigawa or New Capenna d uh, did. I really like... Uh, playing D&D, it's been a fun thing that I've done with some of my friends, but I guess I'm kind of one of those guys that kind of likes to keep their food separate um, a little bit. So looking at these new cards, I'm not super in love with the D&D &D theme, and I think they have a couple of restrictions, not the cards specifically, but the uh, wizard's ability to print cards into this set, and I want to go into that a little bit later. But first, let's look uh, at a couple of uh, the new cards that... Uh, they showed us in this stream. The first one is Ancient Brass Dragon, which is really cool. Honestly, what the, in, in the first D&D set, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't have, that they didn't le lean more into the life cycle of dragons because that is a uh, an element of D&D that's fairly common. Uh, when Whenever you encounter a dragon, you always encounter a dragon of a specific age, like an adult dragon, an ancient dragon, so on and so forth. Um, and... We didn't really see any of that in uh, the standard D&D set. But it looks like, at least hopefully, maybe we get um, a cycle or two of ancient dragons or maybe other, you know, adult or young or whatever kind of uh, uh, dragon cycles they want to throw in, which would be really awesome. Um, but other than that, this card doesn't really do a lot of uh, ancient brass dragony things. Uh, for example... I'll read it for you here. It's five black black for a seven six elder dragon with flying. By the way, not a legendary elder dragon, which is uh, unique as far as I know in magic. And its ability says whenever ancient brass dragon deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20. When you do, put any number of cards, uh, any number of target creature cards with total mana value X or less from graveyards onto the battlefield under your control where X is the result. So this uh, ability is really interesting. It seems like it is pretty high variance, but uh, you always get something, which is solid. And also it really captures the feeling of a D&D &D card, where if that was like a spell where you're reanimating X target uh, uh, characters in a game of D&D, &D, uh, you're, you're kind of subject to the, the roll of the die which is, is uh, the, the same on this card, and I really like that. However, as far as I know, Brass Dragons aren't really known for 
uh, reanimating the dead or even being black aligned at all. I, in, in fairness, I, it might have been a while since I've read up on my brass dragon lore. So if I'm wrong about that, feel free to uh, leave me a comment or you can find me on Twitter. You can find the podcast at GMT underscore cast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I guess I'll just get that quick plug out of the way there before we uh, move on here. So Ancient Brass Dragon, really cool card. Uh, kind of weird uh, that it is um, a black card with a and a brass dragon, but I'm willing to overlook that for the purposes of, of this set. So the next card uh, is Minsk and Boo, Timeless Heroes. Um, and this Minsk and Boo are a legendary planeswalker card, which is a little odd because the original iteration of Minsk and Boo was uh, a legendary creature. Um, it's a, it's two red green for a three loyalty planeswalker. When Minsk and Boo enter the battlefield and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may create Boo, a legendary one, one red hamster creature token with trample and haste. Then plus one, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature. Uh, with trample or haste minus two sacrifice a creature when you do minsk and boo deal x damage to any target where x is that creature's power if the sacrifice creature was a hamster draw x cards also minsk and boo can be your commander so this is um, another in a long line of planeswalkers that can be your commanders um, and those have been pretty good in the past like not too terribly overpowered you don't ever really see them uh, at the highest levels of commander, but you, but they're, they're good, you know, and like Lord Windgrace and Amanatu are both really powerful decks. Um, this card is odd to me because, uh, two things, I guess one, uh, the original one was a legendary creature and this was a planeswalker. So I don't know if, uh, canonically Minsk and Boo ignited their planeswalker spark or, or what the rule is for that. But along those same lines, just Planeswalkers in the D&D set at all feel a little bit out of place. Obviously, Wizards of the Coast knows that Planeswalkers are their flagship uh, card type in Magic. They always want to have some kind of uh, Planeswalker card to go in a set. And I get that and respect it and think it's cool. It's just a little odd that this character, who is not a Planeswalker in D&D, and before this set in Magic was not a Planeswalker, um, is a planeswalker now so I, I don't really understand that all the way it kind of uh, breaks the immersion for me just a little bit but again it's totally fine also the card is really cool and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who will really like it um, one of my favorite parts about it is that uh, if you have read any of my articles over on cardgamebase.com uh, you might have picked up on the fact that I'm really interested in the idea of gruel aristocrats um, and Minsk and Boo is another commander that might potentially be able to uh, lead a, a Gruul Aristocrats deck. So um, check out those articles, again, cardgamebase.com if you're interested in that kind of information. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, not much more, I think, to say about Minsk and Boo. I think they're really cool, but again, not really my flavor. So um, the last new card that I wanted to talk about was the Elder Brain. Um, this is a five black black for a six six creature horror with menace. Uh, when Elder Brain attacks a player, exile all cards from that player's hand. Then they draw that many cards. You may play lands and cast spells from among the exiled cards for as long as they remain exiled 
If you cast a spell this way, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So this is an ability that we have seen um, on a lot of cards recently. And I think it is interesting. Uh, but my favorite thing about this card actually is it is the buy a box promo for Baldur's Gate uh, booster boxes. And the, the art on the buy a box promo is fantastic. Uh, obviously for this podcast, you can't really see it, but I don't know, Google the, the Elder Brain MTG or anything because the, the buy a box promo art is really, really cool. But uh, other than that, I think that this card uh, is neat. Like I said, we've had a lot of cards like it uh, in the recent past, so much so that maybe we could uh, have a, a fairly powerful mono black or black blue deck just built entirely around that. And I'm sure people have uh, built those kinds of decks, but, but this is another uh, piece for that. The big issue that I have with it is that it kind of screws over one player um, and that's not completely true because it lets that player draw cards equal to the number of cards you exile, which is nice. Um, but still you, you target one person and make them exile their hand. And that kind of feels bad, especially if you compare it with like a Narset, uh, Parter of Veils or a Notion Thief that make it so you exile their hand and they only draw one card. So that would be a bummer. Um, and so the potential for this card to be really mean is maybe really high. But other than that, I, it seems really cool. And again, I love the art. So the other question that I have as far as uh, new cards in this set um, is what legendary uh, D&D characters do you think we could expect to have on cards? Um, in the first D&D set, the standard set they released, they really checked a whole lot of boxes. But I do remember that there were uh, some characters that people were upset weren't there. Like, for example, I feel like if they don't have uh, a Strahd character in this set, uh, there isn't really even a good reason to print the set. Like, Strahd is one of the most famous D&D uh, characters. Everyone loves him and would love to see him in Magic. Um, and, and he was uh, conspicuously missing from that first set. So I'm excited to see a mono black Strahd card. I don't know what it would do, especially because the mono black... Uh, legendary creature slash planeswalker uh, slot sort of in magic uh, is pretty well fleshed out between characters like Soren and other uh, vampire legends. Uh, but vampire players love their uh, their commanders. So I'm sure that whatever Strahd ends up being, it's going to be awesome uh, because I it's basically for me a foregone conclusion that we're going to have Strahd. Um, other thoughts that I had though, uh, I'm not, again, I'm not super well versed in uh, the for Forgotten Realms lore, but I have cast spells like Tasha's Hideous Laughter, um, Armor of Agathis, things like that. And those uh, cards, uh, theoretically, Tasha is a, uh, a real character and Agathis is a real character. And so maybe those cards are uh, characters we get legendary creatures for. Honestly, if we had a, um, a, a Tasha card that I could play Tasha's Hideous Laughter in, uh, in a deck built around Tasha, that would be super awesome. I would love that. Um, but yeah, those are those are sort of my big three um, with with fairly limited D&D knowledge and, and Forgotten Realms uh, lore knowledge. I would say, give me Strad, give me Tasha, give me um, Agathis. Also an armor of Agathis non-legendary creature card would be cool. Uh, but that takes me then to the next topic about this set, which is reprints. 
And in the same stream where uh, uh, Wizards introduced to us some of these new cards, they announced some really exciting reprints that I'm pretty happy about. And so I wanna go over those really fast. The first one and the most exciting one probably is the Battle Bond lands are getting reprinted. Those are the lands that say they enter the battlefield tapped unless you have two or more opponents, which is pretty much uh, always in Commander. They'll come in untapped or uh, most of the time at least. Um, and these cards were starting to get really expensive, which is a bummer because they're really only playable in Commander and they are among the best uh, cycle of lands in the format. So the fact that those are going to be a little bit more affordable for the time being is really exciting and I hope they continue to reprint this cycle because uh, honestly it doesn't make sense for them to be very expensive so but it, uh, also in the realm of lands we're getting reflecting pool uh, which is a land that says tap to add a mana of any type that a land you control could produce um, that's another just five color land that's generically really strong uh, that has gotten has creeped up and gotten pretty expensive lately so I'm really glad that that is getting a reprint. Um, and then the only other two reprint cards are not exciting in and of themselves, but I think that they bring up an interesting point or, or rather they point out an interesting detail about this set, uh, which maybe we can extrapolate some information about. So uh, the first one is Fireball, X and a red for a sorcery that says this spell costs one more to cast for each target beyond the first and Fireball deals X damage divided evenly, rounded down among any number of targets. And then the second one is Lightning Bolt, which everyone we should all be familiar with, a red for an instant, deal three damage to any target. Um, so these cards, uh, they first of all, they're interesting in the context of Commander because uh, they are both basically burn spells, which uh, any Commander player is fairly uh, aware that burn is a less powerful strategy in that format um, unless you're doing some sort of combo-y shenanigans with it but the thing that that these two cards have in common is that they are both uh, they can easily be translated to uh, the D&D sort of setting fireball is one of the most um, the most popular D&D spells and and honestly as is lightning bolt and so both of them poured over to D&D really easily. Um, and that makes me think that chances are good that the spells that we get uh, reprints of in this in uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate are going to be spells that are also analogous with uh, with D&D. And so the, the one that comes to mind first is Counterspell. I 100% fully expect to see Counterspell with some cool new D&D art uh, in this set to be drafted. Uh, even, I mean, obviously Counterspell is a powerful spell, uh, even in, in EDH, but I think it will probably be included in this set more for its ability to be, uh, or, or rather more because it is uh, also a D&D &D spell. Counterspell is kind of the big one that, that comes to mind. I, I, uh, I'm not really familiar enough with D&D &D to know the spell books inside and out. Um, I imagine we'll probably get reprints of some of the popular spells uh, that were printed in the standard set, something like Magic Missile um, or Ray of Frost or cards like that that um, are just popular D&D spells. Um, I wonder if maybe we get like a Prestidigitation uh, or something along those lines. It's just something that's very common in D&D that you see all the time. But the thing that really concerns me uh, about 
this sort of precedent, um, meaning reprinting cards that could fit into uh, a D&D themed world, is that there are some commander cards out there that desperately need a reprint, and there's not really a lot of great places that they could be reprinted. Um, and, D and this Commander Legends 2 is one of the e easiest and best places that they could be reprinted, and I'm afraid that potentially they won't get the reprint they need uh, because the set is is D&D themed. Now, uh, a few cards that I am specifically referring to are Dockside Extortionist, uh, Fierce Guardianship, Deflecting Swat, and Jeweled Lotus. Now, those are just cards that have come out in the last couple years of Commander sets. And so, uh, but even still, they each one of them is no cheaper than $45. And uh, some of them quite a bit more than that. And you can't really print any of them into standard, uh, especially because Guardianship and SWAT specifically, and Jeweled Lotus specifically referred to your commander. Uh, but also Dockside just like doesn't really make sense in standard and has the potential to, to ruin um, older formats like Modern. Um, and, and Jeweled Lotus, like these other cards, they just, they just can't really, you, they're too expensive to be printed into, uh, a pre-con commander deck. Uh, and it's just hard. It's difficult to find a home for them, but, uh, Baldur's Gate is the perfect place. Uh, and I just hope they get a, a reprint here. Like Fierce Guardianship and Deflecting Swat are not D&D spells, but they could potentially... Be reprinted with D&D art and just sort of shoehorned in who knows like it's just something that that they do uh just because it's you know it's their game they can do what they want and Jeweled Lotus is kind of the same way but like in D&D a lot of times uh the the thing that you're going for is you're trying to find the loot you know what I mean you're trying to get as much money as you can or uh some sort of reward or prize or and and Jeweled Lotus is um potentially that in the game and literally that if you were to open it so uh i hopefully my fears about this don't turn out to be uh legitimate maybe they just decide you know what to heck with it we're gonna reprint these expensive cards because they need a reprint um but but yeah that that fear is there for me so let me know what you think uh that's that's pretty much all that i have to say about this set I, i'm pretty excited about it uh at least as a draft event. Uh, I know I, I said that I don't really love uh, the D&D theme sort of in general, and that is true. Um, but Commander Legends 1 was really fun to draft and even gave us some good staple cards. And I'm sure that this set will do the same thing for us. So uh, can't wait to see what finally ends up happening with it. In the meantime, next week, uh, I'll start covering some spoilers for Streets of New Capenna that's coming out in the next couple days. Um, and really looking forward to that. So let me know if you have any uh, thoughts or comments. Uh, again, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at GMT underscore cast. Uh, you can also uh, email me or email the podcast, I guess, at gatheringmythoughts.cast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear anything you have to say uh, about the, the show or magic in general, but uh, thank you so much. That is it. Uh, and I will talk to you next time.